With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Three receivers to the left, single wide to the right is A.J. Green. Shotgun snap comes in, helmet high. Murray throws to the right side, and it's intercepted! It's picked off by Rasul Douglas! He wanted A.J. Green, who never turned around! And Rasul Douglas, the juggling interception in the back right corner of the end zone to salt it away for the Green Bay Packers! I'm not even sure what happened there. I'm not sure what's happening here. Look at this. For a Friday morning as we embark upon the PFT 20th anniversary weekend, who better to help me through the next two hours than my son, my internet son, not my actual son, as far as I know, PFT commenter. Good morning and welcome. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. It's, I feel like this has been a long time coming here. Congrats on the 20-year anniversary of West Virginia getting the internet. It's a big deal. So yeah, they, yeah. they finally arrived in your hometown, <laughs> and Mike said, I can finally blog, and GeoCities is never the same. So it's a pleasure to be on with you. You know, really, when we got this thing started November 1, 2001, it was the old days of the dial-up modem with the screeching and the waiting and the delays and to upload a story took five minutes and not long after that we did get we did get high speed uh, but now we've got ultra high speed fiber instantaneous connection from west virginia to connecticut to your place in an undisclosed location well you live in new york city that's not a secret but anyway yeah it's working now it's moving and it's funny i think back to how it all started and how how you started and the success you've had uh infringing on my copyright for all these years it i just thought it was perfect to you know have you as part of the show today i think that that's definitely it's a nice touch uh i'm I'm just honestly honored that you invited me on for this big show um it's it's really a pleasure to be on here and i know that uh there were some legal issues that me and you went together through and I think you negotiated your way out of this a couple of years ago on this show, because as part of my take was starting to pick up uh, up steam, 
you were like, you know what, this could lead lead to some legal issues down the road. So you offered me uh, the use of the PFT commenter name in perpetuity if I gave you RG3's trademark to no pressure, no diamonds, which I squatted on when he let it lapse. So I don't know. I'm sure you've made a lot of money off that, Mike. So I think it's been a pretty fair deal for the both of us. It's been a fair trade, and it was sealed with a bottle of Mad Dog that you stashed into your carry-on bag when you came down here, although that was a different trip. You've been here twice, and I was thinking earlier today about the first time you came to visit back in 2015, and I didn't know who you were. I still am not quite sure who you are. I have my ideas, but you wanted to come to my house to interview me, and I remember being just kind of very like, dude, I don't have an office somewhere. This is my house. I don't know who you are. And the idea of you coming to my house, you at least have to tell me your name so I can just do some basic research as to who is coming to my house. Because you, you always kind of had like a renegade persona, but even back then it was just kind of renegade slash mysterious and you've always reveled in that. But I, I remember very fondly your visit to the house. You actually appeared on PFT Live, the radio show then, to the dismay of Rob Stats Guerrero, who produced it at the time, who was very opposed to it. And every time you grabbed the microphone, was telling me through my headset, get that microphone back from him. So that was a fun day. Yeah, that was great. I think he thought I was going to show up and be like John Hinckley and just absolutely take you <laughs> out. But no, I... I Fortunately, like it was actually in retrospect, a very dumb thing on your part to actually invite me to your house and have me over just based on the fact that we didn't even know each other. Um, so you took a chance. You rolled the dice. I've always appreciated that. I've, again, always appreciated you not suing me. So uh, I, I think, you know, over the years, it's been a productive friendship for both of us. And really, when I came there, I just wanted to see the Kiss pinball machine. That's all I wanted out of the trip. So mission accomplished. It's even better in person than I've seen the pictures. And I remember that after we finished the radio show that day, you interviewed me. I think you were writing for SB Nation at the time, and the very hard-hitting questions included, what is BOFA? And you got me with that one. Yeah. You that wanted my comments BOFA on cool. BOFA. You, you wanted my comments on BOFA, and I said, what is BOFA? And I walked right into it. Hey, Mike, who do, you, who do you think is the best wide receiver on the Dallas Cowboys right now? Their first name. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. Yeah. Amari. You've gotten wise. Yeah, I figured oh, it that's out. That's not right. I only have to be that's burned incorrect. five or six times to figure it all out. Uh, we'll be talking over the course of the next two hours about basically whatever may come up. And from time to time, we'll have some stories about past interactions and how he got into the business and how it came to be. And, uh, and uh, I, I just remember when I first saw your Twitter account, I wasn't quite sure what the purpose was going to be, and I just assumed it was going to be, you know, an attack on me and PFT. And as I observed it over time, it's like, okay, I get what this guy's doing. And you've done extremely well. Congratulations. You really have done extremely well for yourself. Co-host of the most popular podcast in the world, making $75,000 net per episode. PFT Common, along with good friend Big Cat. It's up to 82, even better. 82 even better. before taxes. So, you know, Uncle Sam's got to take a big, big cut out of that. So don't, you know, don't go thinking that I'm uh, like Mr. Diamonds on the soles of my shoes just yet. But yeah, we're, we're doing OK Ooh. over here. And I'd also like to just give a shout out to all the commenters, the original commenters on the Pro Football Talk website. Without them, there would be no me. Um, so shout out Logical Voice, you know, the whole crew. Love those guys. And uh, if today goes well, I'd like to take out a full page ad 
on Pro Football Talk, thanking the commenters for their for their service over the last 20 years. I can't let the reference to the Paul Simon song from 1987 go by. I mean, you were like two years old at the time. Very impressive. Very, very thorough understanding of the culture. Yeah, and I've always been impressed by that. Some of your references, it's almost, and I don't want to say Dennis Miller-ish because I don't know how people feel about Thank Dennis you. Miller now, but but you, you, it's quick. It's quick, and it comes fast, and I, it keeps people on their toes. But uh, she's a rich girl. She don't try to fight it. Diamonds on the soles of her shoes. Let's get to... Uh, a little talk about last night's game. We saw at the very top of the show, West Virginia great Rasul Douglas, who not that long ago was playing for the Cardinals, now with the Packers, making that interception in the end zone. And it was like a lightning strike thing. Like, at first, I wasn't quite sure what happened. He picked it off, in part because A.J. Green didn't turn around. Uh, an epic Thursday night game. And I, I do you remember a few years ago, like there was so much criticism of the Thursday night games and were, was the gameplay any good and should they be playing on short week and the players complained about it. That's kind of gone away. And the gameplay seems pretty good. The games have been compelling. Last night, one of the best we've ever seen on a Thursday night. And you never hear much anymore by way of people complaining about teams playing on Sunday and turning around and playing on Thursday. And I think one of the reasons they're not complaining, we're entertained by what we see on Thursday nights. Yeah, and also the, the fact that, you know, when they give us these free footballs, uh, when we get to tune in early on a Sunday and we watch the London game, it's usually a team like the Jaguars or the Dolphins playing. So these out-of-whack scheduling games, it's always nice when we get two good teams that get to play against each other. And we, we haven't had the conversation of, is Thursday night football bad for football yet? Uh, but I feel like last night actually might have taken – a step in that direction just because there were so many injuries people got hurt the fox injury music was really getting a workout uh and I, th I think we're going to start having that conversation sooner rather than later but we deserved a good football game as football fans mike because the last couple of weeks i feel like the nfl was was really struggling to put together quality football games for us and as fans we kept showing up we'll we'll eat whatever dish roger goodell puts in front of us so it was it was good to finally get a game that we deserved as fans after all the work that we've been putting in, waking up at 830 in the morning, you know, to watch the Falcons play over in Wembley Stadium or where or Tottenham, wherever it was. Uh, but, yeah, it was it was a good game last night. I was hoping for some free football for some overtime. It reminded me a little bit of a, a nicer version of a Seahawks game that just felt like it was destined for overtime. I was hoping for maybe a, a big field goal miss and uh, maybe two more field goals to get made in overtime at the end there. Uh, but yeah, overall, good game. Uh, a couple real head scratchers by the Packers, especially on offense at the end, uh, choosing not to run the ball when they get inside the five-yard line. They're absolutely blowing the Cardinals off the ball when they're driving down the field. You've got A.J. Dillon in your backfield, who's got quads that look like they're growing in, in Northern California out in the woods. And for some reason, he's just collecting, he's collecting dust. He's aging on the, on the bench like a 48-ounce ribeye. And I think everybody out there was thinking that the Packers were about to just throw it all away at the end until that, that uh, lucky interception miscommunication by A.J. Green. So, um, yeah, all in all, good game. Felt like it was worth staying up to watch this time. And let's start there with how it ended, because it really was that momentum swing where it felt like the Packers were putting it away. They'd signaled touchdown. They had 30 to 21 on the scoreboard, and then it went the other way. There's the interception where Russell Douglas nails the game down at a time when we thought at a minimum it was going to be overtime or the Cardinals were going to score 
or they were going to score and Aaron Rodgers was going to take the Packers down the field with a couple of Hail Marys. I mean, those were the various permutations I was thinking of. Overtime or touchdown and the Packers can't pull off the miracle or the best outcome, Aaron Rodgers pulls off the miracle. Instead, it's that boom, it's over, it's done. And let's hear from some of the various participants. Cliff Kingsbury, the coach of the Cardinals. Kyler Murray, who threw the pass. Matt LaFleur, the coach of the Packers. And Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback of the Packers, on that interception that slammed the door in Arizona's face so quickly. Here they are. Yeah, I mean, we feel like it's a safe throw if he knew the route to run. No question. Yeah, they brought zero. It was the right place to go with the ball. Just didn't communicate um, on some level, and then the guy made a good play. Um, that's a routine play down there for us, and for whatever reason, it didn't work out this time. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Um, so some miscommunication. Um, I couldn't tell you, but you know, we just got to be better. Obviously, after the fact, it's you know, we both know. Um, you know. We weren't on the same page, and uh, it cost us. But you know, we'll, we'll be better because of it. It was a special moment right there when when we made that pick, and just to see the celebration, not only on the sidelines but in the stands, it's it's something I won't ever forget. I was thinking about plays, what we're going to do if we got the ball back with ten seconds left. Um, so proud of Rasul. What a great story. You know, how special is this game? Guys on the street, comes in, starts for us, finishes the game out for us. Amazing. First interception for Douglas since 2018. Kyler Murray's first red zone interception this season. And it really was a miscommunication. And somebody made the point, I think it was Kent Summers of the Arizona Republic. The fact that the reporters can't go into the locker room anymore and you can only talk to whoever they bring out for press conferences or whatever that prevented folks from gathering around AJ Green's locker and asking him what the hell happened on that last play. And we don't know if he would have given an unvarnished answer, if he would have been frustrated. We don't know because they don't do it anymore. It's still one of the after effects of the pandemic. You don't get a chance to hear from AJ Green. You just hear from the people that they trot out for those press conferences. But I'd really love to know what, what happened on that play from AJ Green's perspective. Cause he didn't even, I, I don't know if he didn't think he was one of the reads. I don't know what, but and we're not going to know until if and when A.J. Green ever talks about it. Yeah, that's the real victims here are the journalists, Mike. I feel like it's our <laughs> duty, our sacred that. job. You no, no, you're right. You're right, Mike. <laughs> As the fourth estate, we need the to victim. be holding these players accountable. We're the liaisons. To the fans, yeah. aren't you curious to know what AJ Green was thinking? That's how we find know, out. The I journalists know. go in and they and they ask him. I know what AJ Green was thinking. He was like, "I thought it was a run play." Here, I'll be AJ Green. You be a journalist. <laughs> go. Okay, what were you thinking? I thought it was a run play. I thought we called a run. There play. we go. And uh, you there know, <laughs> I haven't been here that long. Sorry. We're we're gonna go back and and get on the same page and and have a good week of practice. See, that's good. That's good. That's all it would have been, but we, we, we don't have that now. We have to fill the vacuum through uh, dramatic uh, recreations of something that was never actually created in the first place. There was an issue with Kyler Murray limping around, and, and part of me thought he was trying a little okey-doke on the Packers, like, I'm not going to run it in, I'm limping, uh, but, he, but it did seem to affect him. Now, he said after the game, I'm not injured. I think last year after he was injured on a Thursday night against the Seahawks, he said, I'm not injured. So 
you know, I don't expect him to admit it, but I wonder whether or not whatever he was experiencing, discomfort, limitation, whatever, if that had any role in it. But it was just a strange moment to end the game when they're at their one-yard line. They got to go 99 yards. First two plays did not work. A run that went nowhere that was almost a safety, and they showed one of the replays. It's like, I think his knee may be down in the end zone. They didn't talk about that. I need to go back and watch it on the game pass feature. Second play was an incomplete pass because Christian Kirk fell down, and then boom, 20 yards, 20 yards. Next thing you know, they're in field goal range, and uh, it really was a, a shocking end the way that that occurred. So good for Rasul Douglas, who was on the Arizona practice squad just a month ago, joined the Packers, and and off they go. You mentioned what the Packers did on the drive that culminated in no points. You know, I, I, I like reading the demeanor of players on a field, especially quarterbacks. That fourth down play, and we may work backward from there, but the fourth down play that was tipped by Kennard, I just... I I just thought the way Aaron Rodgers was acting and moving, I don't think he was into that play. And I don't think he knew what else to do. But I just had the impression as that play was setting up, he just wasn't happy with what the Packers were planning to do there. I don't know if that's true or not, but I'm absolutely going to lean into that narrative, Mike. I love that. I, lo- I love that Aaron is even upset at his coaching staff in a win and taking out an undefeated team on the road in primetime. It's still not good enough for Aaron Rodgers. I, I did see his post-game press conference. There was a little bit of surliness. He looked like that. He had that whole like depressed lumberjack thing going on. Looked like he was going to go into the woods with Bon Iver and come out with two double-sided vinyls. And I feel like the earlier we can start the conversation about is Aaron Rodgers upset with his coaching staff, I think the better for, for me and for you. But as an owner of the Green Bay Packers, this is why we go out and we get a guy like Randall Cobb to make him happy, to make him comfortable so that when you end up losing some other wide receivers, uh, he's got the security blanket right there. So good job to us as ownership and for seeing the fact that Aaron Rodgers would want to have a familiar face in the locker room. And he said something after the game that I thought was really interesting. He said, this offseason, you know, I've really done some things and had some experiences that put stuff into place where I can truly appreciate the perspective of these are the good times that you want to appreciate. Sounds like Aaron Rodgers has been doing some ayahuasca, in which case I am a hundred percent on board for his offseason training <laughs> regimen of just going down to a sweat lodge in Ecuador and drinking all the tea that they make. Uh, we'll, we'll let you hear in a little bit what Aaron Rodgers had to say after the game. I still want to work backward because sandwiched between the fourth down play and then there was a third and goal from the one that resulted in delay a game because he clearly didn't like the play. They didn't have any timeouts left. I mean, he used all the timeouts to get out of plays that that he, he didn't have time to change. They were trying to milk the clock, but he wasn't happy with the look, so he takes a timeout. He gets to third and goal from the one. Clock runs out. They go back five yards. He has that run that would make any fullback proud, PFT commenter, where he goes head first, trying to get it into the end zone, helmet all jacked up. There's a great still frame floating around of this look of agony with his chin strap riding up his uh, his uh, beard. Let's hear from him if he thought about sliding as he was getting closer to the end zone instead of taking on what looks like 17 Cardinals players. Aaron, did you think of sliding on the play at the goal line? Hell no. <laughs> no. Every now and then you got to put your head down. <sighs> Maybe I wished I you know, would have had a juke in the old bag, but I felt like things are collapsing and I needed to tuck that thing and put my shoulder down. You know, we talk about this all the time 
And I don't know if you watch the show or not. You probably don't. I wouldn't blame you for it. It's awfully early in the morning for you to get up. Sure you do. But, you know, quarterbacks need to be very smart about when they put themselves in harm's way. There are too many quarterbacks who would do that on second and goal uh, in the second quarter of a preseason game. There are times where you have to do it. Most of the time, Aaron Rodgers is smart enough to not put himself at that kind of risk. But when you got the game on the line like that and you're trying to ice it, and you're down there, uh, you, you know, you just do it and you hope for the best. And he, he came out of it okay, but you don't see many 37-year-old quarterbacks throwing themselves into a into a sea of, of defenders at the goal line like that. So, you know, I, it's as long as he's not injured, it's fun to watch. If he gets injured, it's like, what the hell were you doing? Yeah, dare I say it was Fitzmagic-esque. That's a, a Ryan Fitzpatrick special. When you get down near the goal line, you, you pick the smallest defensive back and you run directly at him and you lower the shoulder. And you initiate the contact. And I got to give credit where credit's due. That was a great play by Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I thought it was it was the right time. He was smart to, to not slide there. He had to try to get in. So if he had slid, I think that's probably what we would be talking about this morning if the Cardinals had gone down the field and they had scored a touchdown and iced that game uh, at, at the very end there. So, uh, yeah, I think Aaron made the right decision. And he also lost the Southern accent, I've noticed. After the game in the press conference, he's no longer doing the, the NASCAR affectation. So, so yeah, maybe he got some sense knocked into him. It comes and goes, though. And I don't know if it's voluntary or not, like when, you know, Costanza's elbow was jerking. But it does come and go. By the way, by the way, you can cash your ticket for the over on the first reference by PFT commenter to the Washington football team or someone who plays on it. It was Ten and a half minutes into the show, you were way over at 19. So uh, congratulations to those of you who had the over. Um, yeah, and likewise, you, you, can, you can cash the over on the number of Seinfeld references that, that Mike will be making today. <laughs> uh, I'm just calling that in That's advance. Fun. I'm setting it. At, there's going to be four. Four to five. Now that it's on Netflix, it actually might be a little bit, a little bit more than that. You're getting more reps in. You got to do 4.5. It's got, you got to do a half. I always hate when the over-under is on a solid number because it sets up the push. So we'll go with 4.5. I have been watching it on Netflix even as we're on Peacock, and I don't know about the whole you know mentioning Netflix while we're on Peacock, but that's where Seinfeld is. It's one of the great TV series of all time. I'm starting to realize I don't enjoy it like I used to, and I thought I would always enjoy it like until the day that I take my final breath, and I'm I'm... I'm really starting to not enjoy it like I once did. And it's kind of disappointing. I think I've watched it too many times. Yeah, that's that's a you problem, Mike. So I, I don't yeah. I don't know what to tell you on that one. Maybe you have to just do a total cleanse, just just not watch it for a while. Or maybe it's well, the fact that you've to... been thinking about it every single day for the last 23 years and, and uh, shoehorning references into every blog that you write, which I personally enjoy. But maybe you've just maybe, you know, Seinfeld so well that you're actually a funnier writer than Larry David at this point. I uh, thank you very much for that. And I, what I need to do is go on whatever off season program Aaron Rodgers did. You mentioned that earlier, uh, how he has uh, enjoyed this season and he loves overcoming adversity. This is one of the reasons why I thought the Packers were going to win because everything was lined up against them. And when you got a quarterback like him, who's going to be listening and looking at everything that he can use to get himself you know, thinking that, oh, they don't believe in us and let's just go out and show everybody how wrong they are. That's the outcome that you get. So let's hear a little bit from Aaron Rodgers talking about the Packers overcoming adversity last night, especially with Devontae Adams not available to play. 
I was texting with some friends today, and I said, uh, I love when the odds are stacked against us. I feel like we kind of just takes all the pressure off, and, and we just relaxed and and played really loose. I thought the energy was really good pre pregame. Um, yeah, I mean, we're a, a gritty team. The adversity has hit us many times in the fourth quarter, and we've responded really well. A few times on offense and, and uh, a couple times on defense as well. Yeah, it, it really was an impressive showing by Aaron Rodgers and company. They were six-and-a-half-point underdogs. I remember seeing that line thinking, what? Why? I, I know the Cardinals are unbeaten, but it's not like they're dominant. There's a couple of games they should have lost. Yeah, they beat the Rams, but I, you know, and I've been picking from time to time against the Cardinals and been proven wrong, but I just felt like last night it was the time for it to come to an end, and it did because of Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Um, it is amazing what they've done now, though. Seven wins in a row after that, whatever the hell that was to start the season when they lost 38 to 3 to the Saints. Do you view the Packers? Especially now that they've beaten the Cardinals. Sims and I talked about this yesterday. Because you've got the Rams, you've got the Buccaneers. Where do you view the Packers in the upper echelon of the NFC? As long as they're not playing Jameis Winston, I think they're right at the top. Jameis Winston has their number. I don't know what happened that week one. It's crazy to think that that's the same team. That has to be, that had to have been Aaron Rodgers just sending a message. And it's easy to say in retrospect, but it's such, oh, here's a good word. It's such an aberration what happened in week one as opposed to what they've done since then, that it, it feels like a completely different team at this point than what we saw last night. So, yeah, I put the, I put the Packers right at the top uh, alongside the Cowboys. I think those are the two best teams. I'm a little bit disappointed that this wasn't uh, a blowout, that the Packers didn't absolutely beat the brakes off the Cardinals because I was very much looking forward to the dialogue of whether or not the Cardinals are the worst 7-0 team of all time. That's a nice annual tradition that we have to have whenever the, the last undefeated team loses. Uh, but shout out to Mercury Morris having a great time. I'm sure he's uh, he, yesterday. He popped a bottle of champagne for an actual reason of celebration, as opposed to just every day. I think he's just a all day mimosa guy. Um, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a, a great performance by the Packers. And yeah, this definitely puts them, I think, at the very top. I would say it's, it's the Cowboys and Packers. And then after that, we got the Bucks and Rams. And then after that, we got the Cardinals. I don't want to use I don't want to use the S word on the Cardinals. I don't want to call them soft. But they're leaving me very little choice here. I feel like there were a couple moments last night that, that showed that they are kind of a soft football team at times, especially against the run. And when the Packers weren't running the ball, one thing they did great was they did almost like a Midwest Coast offense thing, where it's just screens, 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 either to your running back or to your wide receiver, just an extension of the running game. And I feel like they kind of imposed their will on the Cardinals in a way that we haven't seen another team do. And it really it showed – that they missed J.J. Watt, I think. Their defense looks a little bit different. Zayvon Collins was out, too. Um, that guy is cool. I remember him saying, like, he can't wait to, uh, like, kill people on draft night. I, th I think he brought a tone to that defense that they definitely missed last night. And uh, I don't want to use the S word, but I'm just – I'm putting the Cardinals on notice that I'm considering using the S word about your entire team. I can't let this moment pass, though, without asking you why you have the Cowboys in your mind ahead of the Buccaneers and the Rams, because I think most people would are still kind of like waiting on the Cowboys, even though they've won five in a row, and who knows what's going to happen Sunday night, because who knows if Dak Prescott's going to play. What, what in your mind has them ahead of the Bucs and the Rams? They haven't played a bad game yet. They've been a pretty complete football team this entire season so far. 
they they beat the Chargers in a weird game, and I I actually think that the Chargers might be the most complete football team in the NFL right now. They've had a couple. They they need to work on keeping it even and not experiencing too many highs, too many lows. But the Cowboys, I feel like, are the most complete team. It does pain me to say as a fan of the Washington football team. Um, and obviously the injury situation is one that you have to keep an eye on. Dak Prescott's leg, they're saying that he's, his calves are, are cramping up because of something to do with the surgery that he's had. So that could be a real issue. And if that's the case, then obviously all bets are off. But Ezekiel Elliott's looking good. A lot of people around the league are calling him Ezekiel Elliott. It's his new nickname. I think it fits. He's lean. He's mean. Uh, he's switched up his diet. I think he's stopped eating mashed potatoes. I think he switched up to soup. He's a big soup guy now. So the pounds shed off him this offseason. And I think that uh, – I think just the Cowboys' defense is really good. Dan Quinn is a cool guy. He's got his hat backwards. He's lost about 20 years after getting out of Atlanta. Mike McCarthy is just doing a great job of getting out of the way and trying not to get <laughs> fired before Jerry Jones puts Kellen Moore in his place. And I, w- I actually wouldn't put it past Jerry Jones this season – let's say hypothetically the Cowboys get to the playoffs. They, they end up getting to the NFC championship game. Maybe they lose the NFC championship game. I still think that Jerry Jones is going to want to just install Kellen Moore as his head coach at that point. So Mike McCarthy has done a good job though, of staying out of the way. All of his clock snafus have been kind of swept under the rug because uh, they haven't impacted the results of any game yet. But as long as he can keep that streak going, I just think the Dallas Cowboys are, are the best team and the Packers I think they have some issues. They're they're a very very good team right now. They're playing well. Uh, when they get Devonte Adams back and and they get some of these other starters back, they'll be great. Uh, but I do still have some questions about the defense. In your string of sarcastic remarks, there was a very clear truth that came out, and that is that I believe Jerry Jones wants Kellen Moore to be the next coach of the team, just like when Jason Garrett was the offensive coordinator and Wade Phillips was the head coach. And I think at one point, Garrett was making as much or more than Wade Phillips, and I think that's what Jerry may have to do because other teams are going to be interested in interviewing Kellen Moore. Jerry's not going to want him to leave. He's going to have to pay Kellen Moore a bunch of money to get him beat basically the coach in waiting until whatever moment arrives that they they move on from Mike McCarthy. And uh, and that could be as soon as this year where Kellen gets a huge raise to, to not go consider other jobs. So uh, I'm not ready to go that they're at the top of the conference, but they've been surprisingly good. They played the Buccaneers well in a loss week one, and they haven't lost a game since then. And whether or not they have Dak Prescott on Sunday night, we'll be talking about that coming up, is going to be a huge part of it. The the Cardinals did suffer their first loss. Let's hear a little bit from Kyler Murray on the undefeated season coming to an end. And as you said, PFT commenter Mercury Morris popping open champagne for a reason other than it's a day ending in why. Here's Kyler Murray. I've, I, I visualize all of it, you know, as far as, as the undefeated season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, it's a thing that, you know, obviously you think about, but um, you're going to face adversity, you know, this is the NFL, so... Uh, we knew it, you know, we knew it would come. Um, at some point, we fought the whole game. Just didn't, you know, just came up short. Um, make a play, you make the last play, we're not talking about this. So, um, yeah, it is what it is. I, I love Kyler Murray just because I, I, he would prefer to never speak to anyone under any circumstances, and that's fine. We're all wired differently, but he's thrust into the spotlight. He answers the questions he has to. He's a great player. And and now the question is, with a couple of days off, you know, they they extra days off as they get ready to keep going. They they just need to keep going. I don't. Nobody expected them to go ten and zero 
or 12 and 0 or to or to make a run at, at the Miami Dolphins. Nobody expected that from the Arizona Cardinals. You know, you, you tell them at the start of the season you're going to be 7 and 1 after 8 games, they're going to take that and run with it. It just always sucks that your most recent game was a loss and that your bubble finally gets burst and now we see what they do about it. How do they respond to this? Do they get better? Or do they take a step back? Or, you know, nobody ever stays the same in a, in a, in a long season. So we'll, we'll see how they react and how they deal with it because now they have to, to worry about the Rams again, not that they ever stopped worrying about them. Yeah, I think they'll be fine. But if you were to just straight up ask me right now who I, who I would like on a neutral field, if it were going to be the Cardinals or the Rams, I would still take the Rams. I know that they've actually played the game and it didn't go that way. But it just feels to me like the Rams are a team that, is a less they're, they're less built on smoke and mirrors at time than the Cardinals are. I, I heard somebody say the Cardinals are a basketball team playing football. I think it was Mark Sanchez, great offensive mind. And I think that he is actually onto something right there where uh, it, it felt like at times they were a video game team and they're going to be just fine. I'm sure they're going to make the playoffs and have a great season. But when you lose the element of having an actual physical football team, like it, it sure seems that they have. It seemed like they were getting dominated at the line of scrimmage last night. It, it is going to make me less inclined to think that you can win in December and in January where, you know, the run game becomes a little bit more important. Stopping the run becomes a little bit more important, or at least that's what I've heard people say on television. So I just regurgitate it like a parrot <laughs> that's been trapped in a room listening to Skip Bayless on repeat. But you know what I'm saying? I, I think that enough people have said it on television where it has to be true at this point. And I, I think it's actually fair to, to question the Cardinals' physicality at the line of scrimmage after what we've seen. Well, first of all, the Cardinals and the Rams get together again week 14, Monday night football. And that's a weekend that includes the Bills and the Buccaneers getting together the day before. So that's a hell of a weekend that is looming not that far away. But a Cardinals-Rams rematch in Arizona is still to come. You mentioned A.J. Dillon earlier in the the program he had 78 yards last night on 16 carries and you know for as confusing as the decision was in 2020 to use a first round pick on Jordan Love they turn around in round two and they draft A.J. Dillon while they have Aaron Jones and then Aaron Jones earlier this year they give him a not quite full market value contract but eight figures a year and 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 I feel like you know, and I agree with you on this they don't use A.J. Dillon enough they used him a good bit last night and they did pound the ball into the line of scrimmage. And there is something to be said for how the the Packers were able to control the clock and keep that video game offense off the field. That's what I thought was so masterful about the drive that ultimately resulted in no points for the Packers. They bled the clock the whole way down the field. And if they had gotten a touchdown, there was no way the Cardinals were going to score 10 points. And I, I, I doubted when they had the ball first and 10 from the one that they were even going to get in position to get a field goal but the Packers have shown that they can control the clock and when you're missing Devontae Adams when you're missing Alan Lazard when you've got some receivers that don't quite know where to line up and it's forcing you to take timeouts yeah you know run the ball run the ball and they got down there uh you know after they after they tried to run it a couple of times um and now the Aaron Rodgers run wasn't planned but you know fourth I'm still thinking about that play it's fourth and goal from the one. You're in shotgun formation. Um, why don't you just we'll line back. it up and try to just bash it through? Give it to A.J. Dillon. Give it to – do they have a fullback there? Where's John Kuhn now? I don't think he's on the team anymore. But but you, you, you run it. Just try to get it through. They came so close twice. That doesn't mean you should just abandon it. 
I, I still don't get what they were doing on fourth down. It gets back to what I was saying earlier. Aaron Rodgers is mad at his coaches for the play they called. And uh, yep. let's make that a narrative. Yep. He definitely is mad. He was going after Randall Cobb. He was going after his, his old teammate right on the inside. That was not, that, he wasn't going to catch that. He wasn't going to catch that. Yeah. He was covered. This is, this is a case of the Packers getting a little cute with it, Mike. They're get, they got too cute with it at the end. Sometimes old school football is all it takes. What do they say about John Kuhn? If you need three yards, he'll get you three. If you need five yards, he'll get you three. Every single time, fullbacks inside the five-yard line. You got to zig when everybody else zags. You think Cliff Kingsbury, pretty boy over there, is going to trot out the old big fat uglies and just run smash mouth football? No. And that actually brings up a good point. Do you think that this was a matchup of the two most attractive coaches in the NFL? You're always saying on our group chat how how hot you think Cliff Kingsbury is. <laughs> That's funny. That's really funny. You're 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 very you're very humorous. Uh, I I uh, I don't know. Sean McVay may have something to say about that. So uh, m- maybe we'd have to expand the list of finalists before we start down that path. L- let's hear from Aaron Rodgers. And and the last clip talked about dealing with adversity last night. You had made the comment about how he's. He's changed his outlook. I'm starting to feel like he's not unhappy in Green Bay anymore. As much as I love that narrative that you've got a franchise quarterback who hates the front office, loves the city, loves his teammates, but doesn't want to be there anymore, I feel like maybe he's coming around. Let's hear him talk a little bit about how his outlook has helped him get to where he currently is. Man, I enjoy the hell out of him, Jim. I mean, I really do. I, I... You know, I adjusted my perspective last year and um, did some things off the field that put me in a good headspace. And I've just been really enjoying life and football in a whole new level. And I just have a greater appreciation for moments like this, uh, a greater uh, connectedness to my teammates. Um, I told them in the locker room after the game uh, just to savor these moments because this is the kind of things you think about and talk about. 20 years from now when you're done playing. The special locker room celebrations, the elation on the sideline after a big play that seals a game. There's nothing like this game. Uh, it's it's a special game that gives you so many lifelong memories and friendships, and I'm so thankful to still be playing and still be playing at a high level in year 17. And every year is so different, too. You never know what the, how the team's going to come together and the chemistry and the relationships and the guys stepping up and dealing with injuries and, and all the adversity. But... We have a, a good group of guys that uh, is a different feeling to the team than even the last couple of years. I'm not sure how it's going to finish up, but but I like the, the energy that we have in the locker room. You know, he had said that he approached the 2020 season as if it was going to be his last in Green Bay. And I think that leads to the reasonable assumption that he's viewing it the same way this year. I And... I don't think he's going to make any decisions about anything until the season ends and how the season ends is going to be a factor. Like if they get to the Super Bowl, regardless of whether or not they win it, if they get there, it becomes a lot harder for him to leave next year. But at this point, I don't know. I think everything's on the table and I don't think he's even going to start thinking about it until the season's over. He's living in the moment. He's enjoying it. And I guess there's a lesson in there for all of us. You know, enjoy the moment that you're in and worry about the future when the future gets there. Yeah, you do some planning, but when you're in a football season, just deal with the season, get through it, and then on the other side, you figure out what you're going to do next. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, if you heard what he just said, and I'm not a drug guy, Mike. You know that about me. I, I say no all the no, time. No, I know Hugs, that not very drugs. well. I, 
it's indistinguishable hearing him talk and then hearing Spicoli from Fast Time go on a diatribe <laughs> about what he's done. He, I actually think what Aaron Rodgers just said, and he is a little bit of a troll. So what he just said, I think, was plagiarism of an Owen Wilson character that he did in Zoolander where he was like, yeah, me and my hombres just got done taking peyote and, and bathing with spider monkeys off the coast of Temecula, changed our whole perspective. That's what Aaron Rodgers pretty much said right there. Uh, he does seem like he's happier. I don't know if all the rumors are true that I've heard in the last 15 minutes that he's mad at his head coach for uh, for the play calls there at the end of the game. But it does seem like he's a little <laughs> bit more at peace, a little bit happier. And if Aaron Rodgers, he's, he's a great quarterback, but if he's Super Bowl or bust, and he's been busting a lot for his entire career because he's he's only been there a couple times. And I I don't feel like he can be like I'm a Super Bowl or bust guy. Uh, if he gets to the Super Bowl, I think he'll be very happy. But uh, I it, it feels like it's the last season for him in Green Bay. I wouldn't be surprised if he went somewhere else next season and tried to do the, the super team thing or tried to maybe uh, move to Los Angeles or California. I know he's got some some uh, roots in the Bay Area as well. So I, I would be operating under the assumption that's his last year in Green Bay, just based on all the stuff that happened last offseason. Seemed like there were a lot of conversations being had that probably wouldn't have been had if he wasn't serious about moving on. And there's no regression this year, which, you know, I think teams that may be eyeing him for next year would be looking for and you look at what tom brady's doing at age 44 and what he's done for the buccaneers yeah i think there's going to be interest in aaron Rodgers. it's just a matter of him finding the right place where he can stack the deck in his favor that's what these quarterbacks are looking for whether it's russell wilson aaron Rodgers. you know deshaun watson's the only one that doesn't seem to care about the quality of the team he wants to play for he just wants to go to miami so what if there's nothing around him the other quarterbacks want to go somewhere where they can win they're so obsessed with winning they want to find a team and i think you you know, one team that I think, I mean, the Saints obviously are going to be in the mix for one of these guys because, uh, uh, you know, as much as it pains me to say it, Jameis Winston really isn't the answer. The Browns are a team that fascinates me as a destination for an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson, just because I feel like Baker Mayfield has a ceiling that is is below what a guy like Rodgers or Wilson can do. How do you do that if you're the Browns? Though? I understand what you're saying, but you, you want to talk about rolling the dice. I've seen the jersey with all the names of the quarterbacks that they've had on there since <laughs> 1999. You finally got a guy that, that gets you to the playoffs. You beat the Steelers. Why, you've gone from just absolutely hating your life as a Browns fan to making the playoffs and being regarded as a contender, and now, now you think that you want Aaron Rodgers? I, I don't know. That seems like it's, it's asking for trouble. Doing a reset at this point – after you've gotten it all right. If I'm the Browns, I would stick with Baker Mayfield. I'm not just saying that because he'll cut me off from his life entirely if I say anything bad about him on the internet. That's definitely not the reason why I'm saying anything. I'm not saying anything bad about him. But it just seems like that's that seems like it's short-sighted if you're a Browns fan. I could see Aaron Rodgers going to the Steelers next year. I could see Aaron Rodgers going to a number of places, not the Saints. You're wrong about the Saints. James Winston, future Hall of Famer, quarterback of the future. Trademark Mike Florio, your science fiction book from 1999 about the time traveling quarterback. I love it. It's yeah, a great thanks. book. Jameis Winston 42 is the quarterback minutes, of the future. first reference. Yeah. It's um, a great book. I, I looked it up just, on Amazon. You can't stop. buy it anymore. Just stop. Just just cease and desist. Just think about this. Let's have one real conversation before we take a, a much needed break. 
the mere fact that you are considering Aaron Rodgers as a possibility to go to the Steelers, doesn't that make the Browns say, we need to at least think this through? Because the question of whether or not we'd want to get in this mix for Aaron Rodgers isn't, you know, just focused on us. If we don't get him, we may have to deal with him. I think that changes the analysis a little bit. I don't think that the Browns are in a position where they're like, hey, we we have to acquire this asset so that our biggest rival doesn't get it. That's not that's unfamiliar ground for the Cleveland Browns to be dealing with. And the other question is, does Aaron Rodgers want to go to Cleveland? I don't know. I I feel like Aaron Rodgers played his entire career in a a northern area and he's dealt with the cold. Probably doesn't really care for the cold. He's been in a smaller market. If I were Aaron Rodgers, I would probably be looking to to go out to California. I I mentioned Pittsburgh just because the stability of the franchise, the ownership and uh, the coaching staff, obviously, it seems like a good place to be. And it's like. You know, it's very similar to Green Bay in it's a smaller area, but you have a diehard fan base and all they care about there is football. So I I think the Yinzers would like Aaron Rodgers a lot. uh, And that's why I kept it on the list. But I I really would see him going somewhere out west. I'd love for him to play the Steelers. He'd only be about an hour and a half away from me. We could get together and hang out all the time and advance our friendship because he and I, if you haven't heard, we are we are very, very close we have a lot in common and we spend a lot of time together talking about life and other things uh a a very a very high level of respect from Aaron Rodgers toward me so that's been one of the the great accomplishments of my 20 years after Mm. acquiring internet here in West Virginia let's take a break because we are way way over we're going to preview some great AFC matchups for week eight when this Friday edition of PFT live with PFT commenter continue around any corner within every battle And with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Right after this. You guys like Mike Florio. I mean, don't waste your time reading, uh, reading crap like that. <laughs> Yeah, I normally don't never say that this is a must-win game, but this is a must-win game. You know, um, we uh, coach talk about you know the difference between ordinary and extraordinary. You know, that little bit of extra, and we got to find a way to figure that out. You know, figure out what's what we got to do to uh, come out of this game with a victory. Darius Leonard with shades of Mike Tomlin saying, "Never say never, but never." 
I never say it's a must-win game, but it's a must-win game. And it is a must-win game when the 3-4 and four Colts host the 5-2 and two Titans, and there's a simple reason for it. The Titans have already beat the Colts once. If the Titans win this game, they're up three games in the standings plus the head-to-head tiebreaker. You got nine games left after that. The Colts have to make four games up in nine. I don't know what the next-gen statistics are of that actually happening. I'd guess they're pretty low. So if the Colts lose this one, the Titans are winning the AFC South. They're basically having the AFC South clinched PFT commenter on Halloween Mm. if they can win that game. Yeah, I've crunched the numbers. It's not happening. The Titans are winning this division. According to my advanced sabermetrics and analysis, uh, thanks to Amazon Web Services for telling me that. But I, I don't really need to look at the numbers to tell you that the Colts, I like I like the Colts, but I also at the same time hate myself for liking the Colts. It's the case of Carson Wentz, where I keep going back and forth between thinking that we're going to, hey, you know what? He was playing at an MVP level back in 2017. He can do it again. It's one of those cases where I can't stop and I can't help myself from thinking that he could get back there eventually. He could put it all together. But then he goes out and he'll do something like throw a boneheaded interception with his left hand as he's falling down. And I I just can't trust him. So I think that the Colts are a a perfectly average team for that division and they'll be able to beat some decent teams and they'll probably lose to some very good teams. But they're not at the same level of the Titans who have Derrick Henry. I think he's got 10 touchdowns this year already. Tractor Cito season came a little bit early. 870 yards. And I don't know how we need to project that going forward for a 17-game season. It's throwing off all my math-doing capabilities. But... We could be looking at Derrick Henry getting 2,100 yards, 2,200 yards a season. If he keeps it up, the only question is, has he peaked too early? Which uh, is not really an actual conversation I'm having with myself, but one that I'm very much looking forward to hearing other people discuss. But I I don't see any way that the Colts can hang in with the Titans long term. Even if they win this game, they're going to be four and four. Titans will be five and three. Looking at who the Titans have beaten and the way that they've been able to go out and beat them, I actually think the Titans are just a good football team, regardless of what happened to the Jets, which will be a mystery that'll go down in the ages. There'll be people doing the uh, Twisted Aliens history podcast about like how, how the hell Mike Vrabel lost to the New York Jets uh, when everybody expected him to go out there and beat him by 30. But yeah, the Titans are a, real, a really, really good team. I, I think that they're at a position where they're built to make some noise. Mike Vrabel absolutely loves big players if you're wondering how mike Vrabel constructs a roster all you have to do is just look at the biggest guys that you can find and he the man respects mass it doesn't matter if you're a wide receiver he wants the biggest wide receiver if you're running back he wants the biggest running back if you're a linebacker he wants the biggest linebacker that's why will compton's not there anymore thanks a lot Vrabes. but yeah the man just builds big football teams and ones that are capable of dominating weaker teams and now we're talking about december football again i, I do think that as long as Ryan Tannehill can can keep it together and keep running the play action that got him to where he is right now, keep taking that next step that we've always been waiting on for Tannehill, I think that the Titans are a really well-constructed team. By the way, according to the calculator that came free with my phone, 2,110 is the pace on which Derrick Henry now is with 869 through seven games. He didn't have 100 yards against the Chiefs, even though they handled the Chiefs so easily, 27 to three. You know, they get full use out of A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. That passing game can balance out the running game. You can't take everybody away. We showed on Football Night in America what they called the Derrick Henry effect, where how 
everybody on the defense is always going wherever he goes. It opens up everything else on offense. But yes, they got blown out week one by the Cardinals. They somehow lost to the Jets. Those are their two losses. They're head scratchers. Maybe they've learned from stepping in the pothole against the Jets to not do it in Indianapolis. And this is not some easy game. The Colts have won three out of four. The Colts had the Ravens against the ropes in the second half of a Monday night game a few weeks back. The, the Colts are, are going to give the Titans everything they can handle, and the Colts really are determined to win this one. I agree with you. Titans eventually win the division. But they officially win it, or unofficially, I guess, unofficially win it on Sunday if they win in Indianapolis because there's no way the Colts are going to catch them if they have to make up four games. And then you got the Jaguars and the Texans. I mean, what the hell? So uh, it's inevitable the Titans are going to be the champs, but uh, they may they may just be coasting through the last two months of the season because I don't know how high they're going to end up rising. I know right now two losses is the minimum in the AFC. Um, all the one-loss teams are in the NFC, but I don't know that the Titans are really going to be in the mix for you know the one buy that there is in the AFC. You got four spots for the division winners on the playoff tree. They feel locked in at four. No matter what they do, it feels like they're going to be the four seed. Maybe a you know maybe I'm wrong. They beat the they beat the Bills and the Chiefs six days apart. But I just feel like ultimately they're going to be that four seed. We're going to see them playing the whoever the best wild card team is in what should be a great opening round game in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that they're going to get the one seed, but they they do feel locked into winning that god awful division. And maybe Mike Vrabel, maybe he's a, a secret genius because he he loses to the Jets. He puts the blueprint out there for how to beat the Titans. And next thing you know, all these other teams are going to be copying the New York Jets. And then Mike Vrabel can beat them again <laughs> once they fall into that trap. I don't. I I, I still have no idea how that happened, but uh, I guess great job. Great job to the Jets for surprising everyone for being an actual football team. Uh, but yeah, the the, uh, the Bills feel like they're going to end up at that number one seed. That's what I'm hoping for, at least, out of the AFC. I'm a proud member of Bills Mafia. I just really want to go back up to Buffalo and eat those wing nuts, chicken wings that I had. I'm not kidding you. Like I wake up every morning thinking about a meal of chicken wings that I had in Buffalo, New York a month and a half ago. You know how torturous that is? And I keep searching for it. I keep chasing that dragon. And I feel like I, I, I'm never going to find it unless I get back up to New York, uh, Buffalo, New York. So I'm just I'm rooting for the Bills uh, to, to get that one seed to get the buy so I can go out to Western New York and, and indulge myself in my favorite addiction, which is fried chicken. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't see the Titans competing against against the Bills for that. Uh, but I do think that they're going to stop the Colts. Now, this is all under the caveat that we don't know if the roof is going to be open this weekend in, in Indianapolis. Jim Mercy has not made that announcement yet. It's my favorite part of the week uh, when he, he rolls out that tweet, letting us know if they're going to open the roof or if they're going to keep it closed. This feels like a roof open game. If you need to make a statement, if you're the Colts, you need to bring in the weather gods to give you a little bit of help in this one. So Mr. Ursay, if you're listening, I know that you're a listener. You're an avid watcher of PFT live. Open the roof, do the right thing. Maybe you'll cover the spread. The, Jets beating the Titans was a stunner in this regular season. The stunner of the postseason was the Cleveland Browns going to Pittsburgh and destroying the Steelers and ending their season in very sudden and stunning fashion. The Browns host the Steelers on Sunday. Steelers 3-3, three and three, 
Browns are four and three. We still don't know if Baker Mayfield is going to play for the Browns. He was limited in practice on Thursday again. He's finally realized after last week acting like it's his birthright to play every game for the Browns as long as he chooses to do so. He's the one who decides whether or not he's healthy enough to play no one else. Now he sounds like a guy who is far more reasonable about how it all you know works when you're not fully healthy and it's not good for the team to put the guy out there who's not healthy. I don't know who we're going to see. I think Case Keenum is good enough to manage the offense, especially if they have running back Nick Chubb back on the field. But, you know, I I worry about this one from the Browns' perspective because the Steelers had a week to heal up. Big Ben has a few less ice bags on his joints. He's feeling pretty good. He may never feel this good again in a football season ever. And uh, and and what, when I'm sure you saw the quotes from Mike Tomlin when he was asked about coaching USC. He has an edge to him that I don't think was just in that moment. I think that's how he is all week leading up into this game. I think he's going to have the Steelers ready. I, I worry about the Browns losing this one, even though they're the better team. I feel like the Steelers, almost just like last night, where the Cardinals are the better team, I, I just feel like the Steelers are going to have something for the Browns this week, and I think the Steelers are going to win that game. Yeah, if you're Mike Tomlin, why would you ever want to leave? Would USC be that much better of a job? I don't think that it would be a better job at all. Outside of the Steelers head coach, Basically, you're looking at Supreme Court justice as being the only other gig that has higher job security. And Mike Tomlin never <laughs> se- finished a season below 500. He could be there. He could he could pick the day right now that he wanted to retire as Pittsburgh Steelers head coach, despite what many Internet commenters think about Mike Tomlin. Once he gets below 500 during a season, he can still pick that time that he wants to step aside. So I would I would never leave being head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers to go out to, to California to be. Um, a college football coach, completely different skill set entirely. Uh, having to go out and recruit, that just sounds annoying. Having to pretend to enjoy people's parents' food when maybe it's not that great. Always being polite. No, when you're when you're an NFL head coach, that's when you stop being polite. You start, start being real. I think it's a good gig he's got going. I still like the Browns this weekend. I think that Case Keenum is the perfect backup quarterback. He played the perfect backup quarterback game last Thursday night. Didn't wow you. Didn't go out there and, and make Baker feel like he was – being endangered of losing his job, but he made every throw that he had to make. And Dernis Johnson, aside from having a really cool name, turns out is a pretty good running back too. So obviously they're going to miss Chubb if he's out. Hopefully he can get back. But even if he is out, I don't mind Dernis Johnson. And Case Keenum, like I said, he's a serviceable quarterback. Uh, and I think that they can get it done. We've all seen the stats of Big Ben's record in Cleveland at First Energy Stadium. How he's the well, he's no longer the winningest quarterback there. Baker took that over, I think, last year. Uh, he's had a, a good run there, but this is a Browns fan base that, for the first time in a very long time, is dealing with expectations, and they're not really sure how to handle it. But they are—they're very passionate. I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of anger from Browns fans directed towards other Browns fans for either being too optimistic or too pessimistic. But they're definitely still just as fired up as they've ever been. And the Muni lot is going to be out of control on Sunday. I wish I could go up and check that out. Uh, I, I'm very excited for the Browns. I think that the Browns are going to handle the Steelers this weekend. Don't know what's going on with the whole Odell Beckham situation, but it's gone from being a joke talking point to a real talking point where I truly think that the Browns are better without Odell Beckham uh-huh. in their starting lineup uh-huh. as a receiver. Uh-huh. I don't know if it's the fact that he he demands the ball, and he's a great, great wide receiver, or he was a great wide receiver when he was on the Giants and, and he was demanding the ball. He had every right to be demanding the ball. 
He was by far the best player on the field. Now, I don't think he's a top three wide receiver on the Browns. Uh, maybe in practice, maybe he's able to do some things that other wide receivers can't do. But for whatever reason, it just doesn't click when he gets on the field. It doesn't translate. And especially when you've got other talented guys out there uh, that you can spread the ball around to. Uh, I don't blame Baker Mayfield for looking at him second or third or fourth on any given read. So uh, I, I think that both sides have actually kind of come to understand that by now. I, I don't even think it's that controversial to say that the Browns offense is more functional without Odell Beckham. And we got the trade deadline coming up Tuesday at 4 o'clock Eastern, and I've been keeping an eye on whether or not somebody else out there, maybe the Packers, makes a move for Odo Beckham Jr. It's a big salary commitment. He's been very good about not trying to make waves. He hasn't said anything negative publicly about his role, his situation. But, you know, the Browns are a team that on the surface should be buyers at the trade deadline, but I could see them moving on from Odo Beckham Jr. You're absolutely right, though. And I, I don't know whether it's I remember in 2019, there was constant talk about you got to get him the football. How much does it disrupt Baker Mayfield's progression where he knows he, he needs to get it to OBJ? Or, or whether it's a combination of just like the big personality, the big presence, the Cam Newton effect, where regardless of what his role is, he's, he's going to suck up a lot of oxygen in the room. And, and for a team like the Browns is trying to be, in my estimation, a, a true team across the board, a personality like that will stand out. And when you got a quarterback who's kind of got a big personality already, then you have a receiver with a big personality. Sometimes it, sometimes it doesn't work. Kind of like when you Let and me I just get throw together. this out here. Too many big personalities yeah. in the room. So many sparks. The chemistry is just undeniable between you and I, Mike. Uh, I'm, I'm going to sprinkle this out here. A little treat for your viewers. What if the Kansas City Chiefs inquire about Odell Beckham? Just say screw it. Let's make. You think we're too cute now? Let's make the cutest offense in the history of the NFL. <laughs> our offense is you're going to be booping our offense all season long. It's going to be uncomfortable how cute we are. At that point, that does actually become basketball on grass. If you got Kelsey, you've got Odell, you've got Tyreek Hill, probably not going to happen, but it's fun to think about. Like, collect them all. Let's get all the most dynamic players on offense, on the edges at least, on the Kansas City Chiefs and see if we can't fix that team. We've kicked that around, but the idea of the Browns trading them to the Chiefs in the conference doesn't make sense because they, they, they are obsessed with beating the Chiefs. Why are you going to give them Odo Beckham unless it's some sort of a Trojan horse situation, which really is next-level stuff? I think Brandon Cooks That's is the why. name to watch from the Texans oh, yeah. to, the, to the Chiefs. Brandon, Brandon Cooks is, is out. I, I think that uh, at the start of the season, I, I just had this feeling that the Texans were going to become like a general store by the trade deadline where they've got all these – you know, they've got a few talented veteran players or at least enough guys that you can offload for a fifth round pick right next to the trade deadline that the Texans just solely existed this year to be a store for other teams to go and, and pick up assets uh, depending on their need. Brandon Cooks, I could see him, especially after that tweet yesterday or two days ago, uh, which I will not repeat on the Peacock channel. There Thank, it is. You. Thank you. Thank uh, you. I've. I'm really struggling not swearing here, Mike, and I'll have you know that I, I put on a collared shirt. I'm wearing a coat. I'm not wearing pants, but I, I am trying to clean things up for your show here. Uh, so I bit my tongue on that one. But I, I do think that Brandon Cooks, like, why would you why would you even go out on Sunday? If I'm Brandon Cooks, I just show up for practice tomorrow. I'm a, I'd be like, yeah, my hamstring hurts. I can't play. I think the key is that you didn't have the three shots of Hennessy. That's that's what got Marshawn Lynch into trouble 
on Monday night when he had three S bombs and an F bomb. Although I have a feeling that that he still would have he still would have sworn without the Hennessy. Maybe you did have three shots of Hennessy. I don't know what you put on your cereal. Maybe you did. I who knows? No, I did I did not have three shots of Hennessy. I just I woke up this morning and I, I had a little Aaron Rodgers style tea, if you know what I'm saying. Great all right. Great way All to right. start the day with a little microdose. All right, uh, let's take a break. When we return, some folks have questions, and I think they may have more questions an hour into sh- the show than they had when we got started. We're going to answer some questions when PFT Live with PFT Commenter continues right after this. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. <laughs> 